Welcome to the Business, Wealth and Mindset Podcast. Your space for real motivational interviews and cutting-edge business content to inspire your positive mental attitude. And now, your host, Alex Sopala. Welcome everyone to the podcast. Um, in this episode, I interviewed Cheryl Pill. Uh, Cheryl is the founder of the Conscious Change Collective, as well as the creator of the Seven Seas of Conscious Change. This was uh, such a great conversation where we covered topics um, about how life happens for people how they can get to choose how they respond to um, when things happen to them and uh, a number of things including the things that she's doing the life that she's uh, gone through as well as the business side of things and what she's uh, her plans are for the future so I hope you will really enjoy this conversation we've split this into a number of episodes so without uh, further ado Enough from me. Let's get into the conversation. Okay. Um, welcome to the Business uh, Mindset uh, Podcast. And uh, I'm here with the lovely Cheryl Peel, who is come, uh, kindly come all, all, all the way to here to Coventry to uh, have a chat with us on the podcast to give us a, a, a take on her story and her journey. So really, thank you very much, Cheryl, for coming over. Really looking forward to capturing your story and uh, getting to talk about uh, the issues around business, mindset, and wealth creation. So um, I think uh, I was just uh, looking initially, or we'll just um, sort of get to grasp your story, especially your your journey and uh, your childhood growing up your parents your education and uh, this this will be like the first part of the, uh, the the podcast and the interview and then later on we get to go into detail about business and everything else that is happening in your life and what you're doing so um for the first part if i could uh, just uh, let you talk about yourself uh your, your childhood and how you grew up and just give us a take of who you are and why what you're doing okay <laughs> absolutely yeah and i'd just like to start by saying thank you for the opportunity i'm really excited to be here today to share with you and your audience and to mm -hmm. experience something different never been to Coventry before. Yeah, <laughs> good, good, good. <laughs> and uh, I expect that life in Australia is possibly a little different to life in England, um, mm. although you may be surprised about how many similarities there are as well. Yeah. Mm. I grew up in a coastal country town. I was the fourth of five and there was a distinct difference in the age ranges. Yeah. So there were three older ones, uh, two sisters and a brother, ten and a half years and then me. Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, I was a surprise. <laughs> and then there was uh, 18 months later was my younger brother who was keeping a surprise company. Yeah. 
So we grew up in a coastal country town. As I said, it was the kind of town where we didn't even have a McDonald's until I was 14. So it was um, reasonably isolated, still very, shall we say, not as forward-looking as yeah. as the more metropolitan towns. Yeah. I have, for those of us uh, of your um, membership who know me, would they or if they see a picture of me, they'll see that I have an eclectic background, yeah. shall we say. <laughs> One side is all British Isles and the other side has French, Maori, Chinese, yeah. and after that it gets confusing. Yeah. So it's a little hard to pigeonhole me and mm-hmm. that could be why i've been the way i am yeah. the rest of my life <laughs> but um the the challenge with that going through school was um don't be female intelligent and look different yeah the experience that that i had as a as a strong female who was not caucasian was discrimination is real yeah. racism wow. is real mm-hmm. uh and and people who don't understand can often try and denigrate what they don't understand. Yeah, yeah, sure. However, that didn't stop me from looking to achieve yeah. because I love to learn. Uh, I had a wonderful example from my stepfather who was a small businessman yeah. who worked who worked hard and um, understood the value of working and earning. Yeah to create a future and so i did that mm-hmm. the challenges of living in a coastal country town in australia were was that there wasn't necessarily an emphasis on academic achievement and competition mm-hmm. so when i didn't do as well as i know that i could have <laughs> um what that meant was i went and i did my final year of high school again yeah i'm not oh, sure oh. what it's called here before the the final year before you go to university what's uh, is that the a levels which I Pro- the a levels yeah, exactly. yes so we call it the higher school certificate in new okay. south wales where yeah. i went or oh. year 12 yeah so i did that did not do well and i went and lived in sydney with my older brother and reset it all right okay because it became a question of how much do you want that future yeah, yeah. and that was one of the first times i got the lesson that your future's not necessarily going to be handed to you just because you think that you want it you want it yeah you you mm. might actually have to stretch yourself to do something about it <laughs> absolutely it, you have to work for it you, yeah, yeah you do and mm. and you may actually have to make some choices which perhaps put you back a little in the first instance or have have other people judge you for what you're doing before you move ahead yeah what i found incredibly leveling when i did my second year at um a technical college i'm not sure what they call them over here um was that the amount of private school people who were there keeping me company yeah. were so leveling. Uh. <laughs> and and, yeah. and that, I, I went into university after that yeah. okay. and, and went to Canberra. Yeah. But what I learnt through that, through that time, as I said, was that it's not handed to you. Yeah. You have to well, work. You have to work for it. Uh, yeah. And you need to be able to pivot and be flexible. Yeah. Wow. So what, what did you study at the uni then? 
<laughs> at uni, I studied, I did a Bachelor of Arts, which I lovingly recall, um, referred to as a bugger all, <laughs> uh, and, and did and studied classical. Uh, apart from economics, I studied things like ancient history and French and yeah. sociolinguistics because for me I'm fascinated by the difference in people's experience. Yeah, okay. But still wanted to do something that um, gave me a greater understanding of business, which the economics I thought would do, kind of. Mm. And from there I went into something safe, which was the public service. Yeah, all right. I, I I had... not enough bravery, I confess, at that point. And I honestly didn't know what I wanted to start. So I went into the public service first yeah. and I was there for eight years. Mm-hmm. And then I made a life choice uh, to put people ahead of career and moved back home to the Central Coast yeah. uh, to care for my elderly mother for four years until oh, we yeah. lost her. Oh, yeah. So it's... It's quite, again, one of those humbling life experiences where you go from earning almost twice the average wage, yeah. it was still, still a salary earner, but earning a very good wage to yeah. living on what you used to pay in tax. Yeah, wow, yeah. That's, that's quite the life lesson um, mm. for someone who is, you know, from 30 to 34. Yeah, I guess it's, uh, it, it's pretty much typical of most, what most people do, isn't it? You have your... No more structure of going to school and then you go to uni, you study and then you go on to, to do some work and, and all of that. So it's almost the, the, the setup that is conditioned in all of mm. us. And uh, it's, it's pretty much difficult in most cases for, for people to have uh, a different vision of what they want to do in their life, especially to, to know that, for example, I want to gain that financial independence or freedom or to start my own business mm. because uh, at, at that time it tends to be like everything you know is, is almost against you. So you, for people who, who tend to do something different, either they stumbled on it by accident or their situation, they, they, they may have been um, almost like a crisis point of mm. in, in the sense that something happens which in a way they can't do anything else about and they have to either come out of work and do something else and, and all of that. It's almost like a, a shock to, this, to the system. So you, you seem to have uh, come, come up against some, some shocks, like you say, with the, you know, having to go back and look after your, your mom and, and all of that. So um, at, at, at what point do you think you started to realize that you wanted to do something different to the normal course of, you know, just uh, having gone to uni, you go, you went into your public uh, service work and uh, eventually coming out of that and doing something different. Was there something in your mind which was ticking over and telling you that, you know, maybe it's the normal, you know, part of just working or doing something is, is not you as a person? What was it that would have uh, uh, triggered you to think differently in a way? Mm-hmm. There, there were two key points, but I'll, mm-hmm. I'll talk to the one that, that goes back to then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was actually, uh, I credit my older brother with that. 
yeah. the one that's ten and a half years older than me, mm. he has always been entrepreneurial. Yeah. He has always been the one who is going out to make his fortune. Mm. And when um, our mother died, I was feeling drained and at, and, and at a loss to begin with. And I was living on the Central Coast, as I said, and my brother and his family were living in Brisbane, yeah. which is subtropical. Yeah. And they said, come up, mm. visit us for a holiday over Christmas and New Year's. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we'll see how you feel after that. And so I did. And I went up to Brisbane and I was there for 10 years. Awesome. So <laughs> I ended up starting in, in his company yeah. uh, or his and his wife's uh, business and got the taste for being in the private sector again. Yeah. Started um, learning something different, although related. It was HR related. I was being, I was a consultant being charged out by time. I was writing in 15 minute increments I was working on you know a base salary commission mm. and that was so motivating it was really refreshing and to the extent that I, I was there for not quite two years yeah. and when they were going to sell that business and move on to their next venture I thought you know I can do this. Yeah. I can wow. do this on my own. And I started that. Mm. And so I started out in that business and I subsequently decided there's not enough um, for me in this business. It's going to be even more challenging if I become a registered migration agent because yeah. 457 visas in Australia, short-term um, visas for mm. work were very popular. They still are. Yeah. Um, and so within... Three years of, um, or two years of going back into the workforce after caring for my mother, I had uh, two businesses that I was running, yeah. which was incredibly challenging and incredibly rewarding yeah. because I was helping people um, in a real way on a day to day basis yeah. and still challenging and growing mm. myself. Yeah. And I would have stayed in that space and in Brisbane uh, had I not lost those businesses due to the global financial crisis and a serious health crisis yeah. that took me out of the businesses. Yeah. It meant that I could not contribute and once I was not able to contribute to those businesses anymore, yeah. they both fell. Oh, the challenge there is... Uh, and one of the reasons I'm so passionate about what I do today mm -hmm. is how to pivot from that. Yeah. What what do you do when you are so sick mm -hmm. that um, you cannot? Uh, this is not going to be pleasant for some people to hear, and the yeah. women in the in the audience um, may yeah. understand this. Yeah. But when you are so sick that you are lying on the floor of your office, staring yeah. at the ceiling, yeah. bleeding out, thinking yeah. I can't scream because the accountants in the offices next door are going yeah. to be disturbed and they're lovely people and I don't want to do that. Yeah. And you pick yourself up and you drive yourself 20 minutes to the yeah. emergency hospital yeah. um, where you stay for six hours thinking I'm going to lose my businesses because yeah. this isn't something that can be healed yeah. quickly. Um, yeah. And what do I do? Yeah. Uh, and it's it's one of those, as you said, it's one of those crisis moments where you decide what is it that I'm going to do. Yeah. And I decided at that point that it wasn't going to beat me. Mm. And when I had, um, and I went from 
having two business, two companies and being a director of two companies um, to going back and going into the public service again as something I'd never been in my life, and that was mm. a secretary. Uh, okay. Because I needed to start again. I wasn't giving up. Yeah. But I need. I knew yeah. that at that point I needed security. I needed a new plan, and then I needed to execute the plan. Yeah. Yeah. And I did. Mm. Um, and it took years, but I did it. And I retrained, and I was very considered about yeah. how I was going to create that new future again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that happened through past the global financial crisis i qualified as uh, a systems uh, systems analyst then as a project manager and then as a change manager yeah and created that future mm. and then my world pivoted again and opportunities um to change and grow happened again yeah. what happened after that was i was very comfortably in middle management doing national projects um, and creating change for uh, one of the largest government departments in Australia. Yeah. And that was keeping the bills paid. It wasn't exactly inspiring, but... um, I was just floating. I was floating and and then my younger brother, the one who kept me company Uh, he went into hospital for five days and came out on oxygen for 24 hours a day and he needed a double lung transplant and so my focus quite apart from work suddenly became being his carer getting him to appointments um, walking walking with him through the process of seeing if he could qualify for a transplant because not everybody's suitable and then he was um after a year essentially 10 months and in april of 2018 he had a bilateral uh, lung transplant mm-hmm. and i had to take three months off work to care for him immediately post that yeah. in a different city so again it's that need to be resilient that need yeah. to pivot that yeah. understanding that um the world changes and you need to choose how you're going to respond to that yeah you can't necessarily stop your initial reaction whatever that emotional response is Mm. but then you decide all right what am i going to actually consciously choose to do um and i chose at that point to do that Mm. and then that was april of 2018 and yeah after that i was suddenly inspired to get my own personal health together and to start following my dreams yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and and stop floating yeah. as you so rightly said <laughs> it was it was easy and I was bored yeah um, and I decided I didn't want to be bored anymore yeah and then I last year so uh, last year fly I decided I was going to be a I was going to lose weight Mm-hmm. Uh, and between September of 2018 and March of 2019 I lost over 32 kilos, over 70 oh, pounds, oh, and six oh, dress sizes. That's a lot. How do you manage that? Wow. <laughs> eating, eating healthy. It's yeah. a, eating healthy and making, and making conscious choices. Yeah. Choosing the future. How yeah. much do you want it? Yeah. Um, and that's something I can talk yeah. to people about. But it, it, yeah. was part of, it was part of my choosing myself and my future. Yeah. Okay. And so I did that. And I, 
I went back to studying coaching and, and, and was traveling down to Melbourne from Canberra to do that. Mm-hmm. I was traveling back up from the intensive three day coaching session uh, when I was on one of the fast planes. So it was only 55 minutes and mm-hmm. I could not watch a one hour episode of anything and I was so emotionally drained. Yeah. 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 And I thought, what can I do? I do not want to watch a 30 minute comedy episode. And then I thought, oh, a podcast. Yeah. I'll listen to a podcast. Mm. And I saw this podcast um, and it, I I admit it was the purple and the word disruptive that got me called the disruptive entrepreneur. And so I thought, I'll listen to that. Yeah. And after I got over the, what was to me an incredibly strange accent. And, yeah. and, and his whiskey voice, yeah. uh, what I discovered was something that I found um, fascinating yeah. and incredibly engaging, and, mm. and I started to follow Rob Moore. Yeah. Okay. And that takes us into yeah. almost the beginning of my journey. Of the journey. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. And that final mm. aspect of the journey was yeah. I was sitting in bed at quarter past six on the morning of the 2nd of April yeah. and I'm checking my emails and up pops this Rob Moore is live yeah. and I click on it and there he is in the Cayman Islands talking about the last podcast course that he's ever going to run uh-huh. and what was going to be offered and yeah. I thought wow that sounds like a brilliant opportunity. opportunity I'm sure some people are going to really benefit from that because I bet that's in the UK yeah. yes it's in the UK mm-hmm. and it's in Peterborough and I thought where is that <laughs> on the planet apart from the UK yeah mm-hmm. um, and then my brain clicked again and the question became to me wait a second all other things being equal yeah if I can get the time off why won't I go over? Yeah. What is stopping me from traveling to do that? And it was that fundamental mind shift yeah. that was yeah. the basis of everything I've done the since then. You've done. Wow. That's the mindset. But it, it strikes me, you know, you're, you're such a strong, resilient woman. I mean, looking and hearing your story and the things that you've had to go through, you know, all the shows that have happened in your life. And you still remain positive and you're all very personal and you're really strong and able to talk about your story. How and where do you get that inspiration and that really strong sense of carrying on in the face of all the shocks and everything that has happened to you? Oh my God, Alex, you haven't heard the worst parts yet. (laughs) But thank you. I would credit that um, quite strongly to a very strong mother, a a woman who, whilst she was so much shorter than me physically, had to go through so much Mm. uh, at a young age. Um, Some of the examples of that is that she was was born... um, before the Second World War, mm. uh, and because I was a very like child, yeah. <laughs> and her family was moved from where she had been born and raised mm-hmm. down to Sydney because one of the plans in Australia at that point to defend against the Japanese, because they were a whole lot closer to us Close. than they were to you. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, nice. You had the Germans and we had the Japanese, had the Japanese. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. and they were bombing. Um, 
the top of, of Australia and that's where she was born, in, yeah. up, up near the top of Australia. And her family were displaced. They had to move down to Sydney because one of the defence plans for Australia was to burn down yeah. to Brisbane so oh. that um, it couldn't be, there was nothing for them to get. Yeah. Now, I don't know how they were ever going to do that. Yeah. Australia was wow. huge. <laughs> but um, she she did that. She got She got moved. She um, was trained uh, early as a tailoress. She got into a marriage with a man who was, um, let us say, not the picture of a loving, devoted yeah. husband. Mm-hmm. Um, there was there was violence. There was um, oh. alcohol involved and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. Um, and so back then there were not the supports um, not the societal supports that we have today yeah. uh, when there are, there are situations like that. Uh, I was told the story of when my mother was first um, subject to that mm. and she went home to her mother yeah. and her mother's response to her was, you married him, yeah. you go back. You go back, wow. <laughs> so she, the, the kind of strength that she had um, was something to emulate and it yeah. was one of those, she was so strong that, um, through my 20s, I lived and breathed jiu-jitsu. I taught it for five years. I, mm. I loved it. When I was first starting jiu-jitsu, um, I had my ankles and my knees strapped for three yeah. months because they were weak. Yeah. And I would talk to my mother about it and about the bruises and whatnot, and she would say, don't you stop. stop. If okay. I if I had had the possibility and the opportunity to do that yeah. when I was young, yeah. you can believe I would have done it. You and I just said, of course right. I am. Yeah. I'm doing that. Uh, mm. She was, to me, uh, the model of a strong-minded woman yeah. uh, mm. and and an example of mm. you pick yourself up yeah. and you keep and going. you keep going. Um, mm. And so when my life mm. really fell apart mm. during late last year, yeah. uh, I did fall apart, but I picked myself up and I kept going and I can... Mm. Um, and I'm happy to talk about that. Yeah. Do you want me to talk about it now yeah, or as yeah. part of the yeah. business stuff? No, no, no. We can, um, we can talk about that now, yes. yes. Okay. So, yeah. So, <clears throat> we can talk about the business part more um, yeah. later. But later on, yeah. at, at this point, um, after I had decided to come and do the podcast yeah. course, and then I ended up doing getting tickets to a business course that was happening the two days after that, the Business Breakthrough Summit, yeah. um, where an incredibly young-looking to me, Jamie York, was yeah. telling me about all the things I didn't know about business yeah. wow. the first time, mm-hmm. made me realise that I need to be informed, yeah. I need to have a plan, mm-hmm. and I need to do business strategically. Yeah. And yeah. they offered um, a mastermind and yeah. further, uh, other further training options, and I signed up. I thought, and they said, "What are you going to fly over from Australia?" And I went, "Well, hell yes, absolutely. I yeah. want my future enough." Yeah. And you know, I was in a position to be able to afford it. I wasn't a millionaire, that's for sure, but I was certainly comfortably well enough enough to say I can choose to do this with my money to yeah. invest in myself and the business I want, yeah. and my education. Mm. Uh, and to me. 
that education remains so much more relevant. Yeah. Um, the community and the support around it yeah. so much more relevant and and pertinent to the future that I have created. So the reality I've created so far and the future I'm looking yeah. to create. To create, yeah. But that means that I was coming over at least once a month, twice a month in July, and mm. I was planning as I um, always was to try and maximize the week or so that I was here. Yeah. yeah. So what happened was on the 24th of September, I was asked to come in and do tests mm. uh, for a breast scan that had, that had happened, a mammogram that I had had um, as part of a routine um, every two years. And so I went in on the 24th and I was first person in because I thought I'll get in get out get use the done. rest of the day to work on my business yeah. because I'm not working full-time for the yeah. government I was I had the day off yeah it turned out I was the first person in and the last person to leave mm. um, so that was the 24th of September Friday the 27th of September <laughs> I was diagnosed with two different kinds of breast cancer because I'm an overachiever um, <laughs> and I took yeah. it well I'm a change coach yeah. I, I took it well I um, I spoke to the, the nurse educator about it and she said, wow, your attitude's so good. Will you yeah. come and coach people here or start yeah. a group or can we? Wow. Can I direct them to your online course? I said, mm. the course isn't quite finished yet. Yeah. Now I want to pivot it. But sure, I went home. I told my younger brother, the one who had had the bilateral yeah. lung transplant the yeah. year before, because I knew that he would understand what serious illness was. Yeah. And so yeah. I said, this is the diagnosis but I can't get in to see a specialist in the next week. Yeah. So I'm still going to go over to the UK. Yeah. Um, and he went, okay, sure. And he drove me to the airport on the Saturday and yeah. I arrived at five o'clock on the Sunday morning. So Saturday, the 26th, I fly out Sunday, the 20, no, Saturday, the 28th, I fly out Sunday, the 29th. I'm here. I arrive at five o'clock in the morning, which is typical, mm. um, into Heathrow, drive straight to Peterborough, yeah. go into the um, the course and yeah. I do my testimonial on stage yeah. that day as promised yeah. and I actually spoke about my cancer there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was brave enough to do that. I was asked, did I want to or not? And it was fine mm. if I didn't, but I said, no, no, I'll do it. Mm. And then I, then I went back to the apartment and at one o'clock in the morning, Monday morning, I get a message from my work, which is also my brother's work, saying, is Peter coming in today? Yeah. And I said, well, he should be. Mm. I'm in the UK. I can't yeah. check. Yeah. He didn't come into work. So what I did was I got a friend who had a key um, to go to our house and she went in. And the... And his car was there, the car keys were there, his wallet was there, his phone was there, and he wasn't. Yeah. Wow. Um, and so the people that work with us were, and so was I, were worried. There was nothing I could do. Mm. But what they did was they went out and searched for him in the bushland that mm. surrounded our house yeah. um, and couldn't find him. And this is monday during the day for us yeah so i remember the time zones mm -hmm. um so monday during the day I'm, I'm hearing nothing i have my australian phone sim with me um i have my uk one but it's in my bag because i'm waiting for a call yes. from australia yeah mm -hmm. and i get uh i miss a phone call at quarter to five on my uk sim and it's a yeah. blocked number so i can't return it and i'm thinking yeah. no mm -hmm. then 
I um, five minutes later, I get a phone call on my Australian line and I pick that up mm. and they identify themselves as the Met Police saying mm. that they want to confirm my address because they want to talk to me about a very serious matter. Yeah. Okay. So I give them I give them my phone, uh, my address and I panic and I contact two friends mm. online on Facebook um, and one of them is very logical and he's there saying, call the number back. I can't call the number back. It mm. looks like a Met Police number, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I call the Metropolitan Police um, from a number he gives me. 15 minutes later, I find out it is a scam phone call about credit cards and that I shouldn't be worried. Yeah. But my my um, female friend said, well, I'm coming down to BMA on for Wednesday on Tuesday night. I'm coming down now. Your brother's still missing. Mm. So she drove from three hours from Burnley uh, in the storms yeah. to, to, to get to me at 10 o'clock at night. And I'm incredibly glad she did because at quarter past five the next morning, I got the phone call to say that my brother had died. Oh. What had happened was... Um, on Sunday morning, he had called the ambulance yeah. um, to say that he had difficulty breathing and the ambulance officers had um, gotten into the house and they were not able to resuscitate him at yeah. that point. Oh. So they took him, um, but they left no note. So our neighbour, who is a local member, a member of the local parliament, yeah. who had been calling the yeah. hospitals because yeah. he knew my brother and yeah. couldn't find out anything, um, no one knew. Um, so I am over here um, and my bro- I realised that my brother had died while I was on the plane. Yeah. Oh. And the only thing that kept me together at that point was my friend um, who had come down uh, and my other friend who I called. Um, and, well, I'll tell you yeah. who they were. Yeah. Um, the the male friend was Jamie. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. And I called him and he cancelled his day. Yeah. Um, wow. and, and came yeah. down and yeah. Justina and Jamie and Justina were there and yeah. they held me together. together. They made me talk about my brother through the morning and then in the afternoon they took me out to Cambridge yeah. and, and made me live and um, think and stay yeah. together. Yeah. And then the next day I stayed because I stayed did BMA mm-hmm. the next yeah. day, which yeah. was the Wednesday, which is yeah. why I was there, mm. uh, and flew out on the Thursday. And then my life became burying mm. my brother, yeah. going to see multiple surgeons. Yeah. And if I can say anything to yeah. a woman diagnosed with breast cancer, and yeah. that is consult multiple surgeons yeah. because the different stories and the yeah. different solutions mm. are really amazing. Mm. Um and then it was recovery. Yeah. And during the course of that, I was still working full time when I could. Mm. Um, mm. I was able to work from home, but I was working full time. I was doing radiation therapy through December, January in the middle of the Australian bushfires. Yeah. Wow. And through all of that. So I had a go bag packed by my door for three weeks. Yeah. Um, during this time, Canberra was literally blanketed in smoke for over 40 yeah. days with air quality oh, so bad that yeah. they were um, handing out masks. Yeah. And because I was an at-risk group, they were offering one to me and I just went, no, yeah. I just won't go to the gym. Yeah. Um, um, but what that continued to, to reinforce to me is that life happens and you can't yeah. You can't stop life happening. Mm. You can't choose what happens to you, but you can choose how you respond. How you respond. And yeah. I decided through that 
that more than ever, life is incredibly important. Mm. And what I want to create in the world and the difference that I want to create in the world is more important than ever. And so I go after it. Yeah. Wow, that's incredibly heartbreaking listening to your story because I remember I was at uh, that BMI session when you you talked about that and that was after you you went through the the session and listened to everyone else and then you you mentioned what had happened to you and I remember thinking that must have been so heartbreaking for you you know having that diagnosis and finding out your your brother died as mm. well I can't imagine you know people being in that situation and how you know you can still you know you know have it together like that and and have the strength to carry on that was so incredible to to see and uh, i just you know my heart sank i couldn't you know believe what you must have been going through so it was really such a, you know, we talk about shocks in life and, mm. you know, the things that you went through. So it's just, um, you know, unbelievable, unbelievable. But it's just an incredible thing you say that, you know, life happens, you know, we can't choose what happens to us, but how we respond and how we carry on has, you know, plays a big part in, 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 our, in our lives. And that's the path that you chose to do. So it's really brave of you, you know. <laughs> That's incredible. And then um, how did the the rest of that go, then having to bury your brother and then going through the the, the chemotherapy and everything else? It is. Um, I, was, I was blessed. I didn't have to do chemo. I did radio. Mm. Um, but what, what it was... Um, was that it reinforced to me the importance of, of what it is that I I am doing in business now yeah. and it pivoted my business. It, it was, it's one thing to recognise that change is a process and a journey and that grief is a process and a journey and yeah. there is there is a change curve that's based on the grief curve by um, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. Mm. And, and that's one thing to know intellectually. Yeah. But to live that shit yeah. on a day-to-day <laughs> basis yeah. is, is really a journey. It's, it's about understanding that there will be times when you feel entirely helpless and hopeless and you yeah. fall into that pit there were times, and I've, I've recorded a video on it that I have not published, and I yeah. may at some point, mm. where um, you fall on the floor in the kitchen simply because you miss a friend who's going to the movies over here and you realise it's not about them, yeah. Yeah. but it's about the missing and suddenly the grief comes. Mm. Mm. And so one of the things that I've learnt and one of the... The lessons that I want to share with others, and it's yeah. why I've chosen to mm-hmm. um, one one of my particular focuses in business at the moment is supporting strong supporting strong women. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that it is okay to be that mess. It is okay to experience your emotions. Yeah. Your emotions are valid. Yeah. You just don't stay there. Yeah. You don't wallow mm-hmm. because an emotion is is experienced for like twenty seconds. Yeah. You stay in that. That's you choosing to wallow. That is you cycling. Yeah. Um, 
And the more that you know that, the more that you understand that you're choosing to stay in this pit, in this pit. and that's not productive. Yeah. Um, but equally, and, and this is the balance to that, one of the things that I heard so much and it made me want to, with the best will in the world, strangle people, yeah. is yeah. to say, you're strong, you'll yeah. be okay. Yeah, you'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, I will. Yes, I am strong yeah. and yes, I will be okay. Yeah. But please allow me um, the same right to, to feel weak and yeah. hopeless and yeah. helpless and emotional and upset and hurt and grieve yeah. as everybody else. As everybody else. Because yeah. I am as human as yeah. everybody else. Yeah. And, and what I have found is, and that's why I say supporting strong women, yeah. um, mm. the further up you go in the food chain, the yeah. corporate food chain, whether you're an entrepreneur or an exec or C-level, whatever, mm. there are fewer and fewer people that you can turn around to and say, is it okay if I'm not strong with you for a little while? Yeah. Because at the moment, I really don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And to have a non-judgmental ear, shoulder, safe space. Yeah. Wow. Mm. There's, there's just not. And mm. and I I acknowledge that there isn't for men either, I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> but uh, I think perhaps men are less likely to say to me, I'm feeling a bit shit a at bit. the moment yeah. than um, a, a, another woman saying, I've just been diagnosed with breast cancer and I'm a single mother and I have two yeah. children at home and I am responsible for hundreds or thousands of yeah. people and, ah! Yeah, wow. <laughs> and to have someone say, it's okay, I it's get that. okay, yeah. Um, and then that's one of the reasons why I've created mm. the Conscious Change Collective. That's yeah. one of the reasons I've... I am so passionate about the seven C's of conscious change model yeah. that that I created yeah. as well um, because sometimes what we need is to say it's okay to be upset but yes there yeah. is a way through there is a way through first you have to consciously choose it yeah and I can show you what to do after that do. once you choose but the the thing that none of us can do is make someone else choose you have to choose it for yourself yeah and it needs to be Conscious choice, conscious change. Yeah.